Welcome to the Blood Cancer Experience, a podcast series by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. These podcasts are intended to connect people affected by a blood cancer to resources that inform, support, educate, and empower. When it comes to cancer, it's hard to navigate the unknown and there are no easy answers. We are here to bring you the information you need to help make sense of every step of the blood cancer experience. My name is Sonia Muto, and I'm the Community Program Coordinator for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. Today on the show, I'm talking to Myra Husick. In 2011, Myra was diagnosed with stage four follicular lymphoma while training for a marathon. In this podcast, we will talk about her experience with blood cancers, such as diagnosis, treatment, side effects, and so on. Thank you for joining us, Myra. Well, thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with being diagnosed with follicular lymphoma? Yes. I was diagnosed back in 2011 when I was 42, which I was told at the time that I was rather young to be diagnosed with this type of lymphoma. I'm a mother of three girls, now teenagers, and I had a successful management consulting career and was in the process of going through a divorce. In the year of my diagnosis, I had run a full marathon, a half and a 30 kilometer race and was training, training for another marathon when I was diagnosed. My experience with being diagnosed was one of complete and utter shock, not just me, but anyone who knew me. Because of the level of training involved in the various races I was competing in, I was eating healthy and was seemingly fit. I had no symptoms that were screaming cancer. I was a busy career woman, juggling family, and my passion for running when cancer arrived. In essence, I was like everyone else my age, just living life. I was actually diagnosed in the ER emergency room following that, following what I thought was a pulled muscle in my abdomen after a speed training run. This was the nightmare that people hear about. And all of a sudden, within a matter of hours, this nightmare became my reality. The ER physician was suspecting appendicitis given that the pain was so localized. It was only following an ultrasound and then a CT scan when the ER doctor and the general surgeon had to deliver the kind of news that I'm sure was one of the worst aspects of their job. I say that only because this young ER surgeon could not look me in the eyes to tell me that I had cancer. I had a 10 centimeter tumor in my abdomen, which they suspected was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. They had asked me questions like, had I lost any weight? Was I experiencing night sweats? Had my blood, did I have my blood checked recently? Did I have an enlarged lymph node? How was I feeling overall? I shared with them that I had drenching night sweats, which could not be explained. I had perfect blood results. I had not lost any weight and had an enlarged lymph node in my groin, which my doctor attributed to the hours of my training as I prepared for my various races year after year. I felt great, no fatigue. I had tons of energy. There was nothing indicating that I was ill. What was the process that you went through when you were first diagnosed? Well, shortly after receiving the news in the ER of my suspected non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I met with a hematologist who told me that I needed to pick a treating hospital. She had suggested a hospital close to my house because it's a little bit more convenient when undergoing uh, treatment. My head was spinning. It was surreal. My life changed in an instant. 
She then told me I would have to come in the following week for a biopsy, which included the removal of a lymph node and that it would be in my collarbone area. The lymph node removal above the diaphragm and a positive test result would indicate stage three of the disease. She also told me that I would need a bone marrow biopsy to further stage, which they suspected would be positive and would therefore indicate that I was in stage four. I remember leaving the ER with my boyfriend after a life altering 12 hours in the emergency room. We were both silent in the car, our minds both processing our individual thoughts, reviewing what, what we had just experienced and what this meant for me, for my life and my future. My initial thoughts were, am I dying? Is this it for me? I was in a state of shock. My mom died of cancer when she was 60, six years prior, diagnosed and gone in three months. Would this also be my destiny? The following week, I had my lymph node removed, and then a week later, it was confirmed that I had stage three follicular non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. When the hematologist called me to give me the results, he started off by saying, Ms. Husick, I want you to know that you are not dying. I appreciated him saying that because that was my biggest fear. I picked two hospitals, one close to home and one that specialized in blood cancers. I felt two opinions were necessary. I actually decided to get a third one. I made an appointment at the Princess Margaret in Toronto. I met with a hematologist at each of the cancer centers. One was ready to begin treatment and the other two felt watch and wait was the best option at the moment, given my level of fitness and that I was feeling quite well and ironically healthy. Waiting would not put my life in any jeopardy and starting treatment would make me actually sicker as a result of the chemo meds and would not change the overall outcome in any regard. At first, this approach seemed counterintuitive given we are all familiar with the concept of taking medicine when we are ill. Nonetheless, watch and wait resonated with me and I chose the hospital that specialized with blood cancers, which was approximately 30 kilometers from my home. I was scheduled for my bone marrow biopsy and then it was confirmed that my lymphoma was in fact stage four. Going back to that time when you were first diagnosed, what would you have liked to have known at that time? Yeah, this is a great question. I would have liked to have known that this diagnosis was not a death sentence. I would have liked to have known how difficult emotionally and mentally watch and wait was going to be. I would have liked to have been told where I could find support for the emotions I was feeling. I could not talk to my spouse at the time or anyone in my immediate family or circle of friends. They too were processing the shock of it all. I would have liked to have known how best to deliver this kind of news to your loved ones, to young children, to friends, to my boss, to my colleagues. To this day, I still struggle on how best to share my diagnosis and my cancer journey. I would have liked to have known that the prognosis was not set in stone, but rather an indicator based on the results of treatments that were available for those diagnosed prior to me. Given my situation at the time of diagnosis, the prognosis was seven to 10 years. Here I am nine years later, and with all of the advancements in science and research, the prognosis is now 20 plus years. I would have liked to have known that treatment options would be presented in a way that I would have to decide which option to take. The doctor and hospital would recommend what treatment they felt was the best. However, it was I that ultimately had to choose which treatment option seemed the best for me. 
Even though I worked in risk management, this is a hard decision for me to make. I'm not sure how other patients make this decision, but I think a psychologist or social worker to help me with this decision would have been extremely helpful. I would have liked to have known how could I have a late stage blood cancer and have zero indication that this cancer was growing inside of me, that even my blood tests didn't indicate that I had a blood cancer. I actually still don't have the answer to this question. So when your doctor was determining how to treat your follicular lymphoma, what was that process like for you? Well, to be completely honest, I was scared and for the first time feeling rather anxious. Given I had accepted watch and wait, I felt like we, the collective we, hospital specialists and me, were all sweeping this under the rug. I wanted to know when, when would we decide to begin treatment? Watch and wait, okay, what am I watching for exactly? The approach made sense. Why go through chemo if I feel fine and I'm healthy enough to train and run marathons? However, sweeping cancer under the rug seemed off, just to say the least. I was followed every three months. My blood results, again, gave no indication that I had a blood cancer. I was told I would have to share how I was feeling physically every three months, that I would have to be aware of new lumps and bumps on my body that me, myself, and I had to be completely in tune with my body to know and feel differences in my condition and to report those changes during my quarterly visits with the hematologist. Even though we are all responsible for our lives and how we wish to live them, whether it be a healthy lifestyle or not, I was feeling a level of pressure to be in sync with my body more than ever. This caused me anxiety, and this was my first experience with anxiety. Can you describe your experience of being treated for follicular lymphoma? Yes, it seems like ages ago, but I can still remember those days like they were yesterday. I hardly slept the night before the first treatment because I was warned about the various side effects of chemo. I arrived at the hospital nervous and then was taken into a room full of other patients undergoing treatment. My boyfriend and I downloaded movies to watch given the first day of treatment would last about eight hours. I was receiving my chemo intravenously and I was started on a test bag to see if I had any adverse reactions before they gave me the four hour dosage bag. Then the other drugs were to follow. My chemo would be given every three weeks for six months. After the six month mark, I would continue on with maintenance treatment for two years, every eight weeks. I would be given a cocktail of pills before treatment began. It was quiet in the room. I would always scan the room and smiled at the patients undergoing treatment. We seemed to acknowledge our individual cancer journeys in solidarity. Over the course of the two and a half years, I never saw any patients speaking with each other, myself included. I'm not sure why that was. There was a massage therapist available during treatments who offered to massage my feet. That was glorious. I was so appreciative of that service. I had no pain during treatment, Except over time, it became more difficult to find a vein. And I remember drinking a Gatorade en route to the hospital so that it would be easier to find a vein and set up the IV. Did you experience any treatment side effects? And if, and if so, how did you treat those? Sorry, yes. I'm gonna start that question over. I apologize. Okay. I, uh, okay. Did you experience treatment side effects? And if so, how did you manage those? Yes, I had many side effects, unfortunately. After the test bag of chemo and shortly after starting the four hour drip, 
I had a serious allergic reaction. I had an anaphylaxis reaction. My chemo station became a flurry of activity and I was taken off the four hour chemo immediately and was injected with various drugs. I'm not sure what they all were, but everything is a fog at that point. I needed to recover from that and then they would re-administer the drip at a slower pace. The first day was a 12 hour experience instead of the normal eight hour day. Going forward for the rest of my chemo, instead of a quick drip, my chemo would be administered over a very long four hours with cocktails galore, which made me feel like a space cadet. I experienced quite a bit of abdominal pain during treatment, and I felt like I had drank a full pot of coffee every day for the first five days. I was lucky in that I didn't lose my whole head of hair, nor did I lose it in patches. I had experienced an all over thinning, but that was it. I had positive results during the first six months of treatment, but I had various side effects that plagued me. So my doctor decided to eliminate the last two treatments because my body was getting weaker. He felt satisfied that my results were better than what was anticipated. That was a fantastic day. I then started maintenance treatment for two years. The only side effects early on were nausea, lack of sleep and abdominal pain. In my mind, I envisioned that the chemo was chipping away at the tumor in my abdomen. It made me feel there was a meaning or reason for this pain. There were many drugs available for the nausea, so if one didn't work, we would just try others until we found one that did work. Over the, over the course of the two years of maintenance, I was extremely fatigued. The fatigue was difficult because in all, I looked like my normal self to everyone around me. I didn't look like your typical cancer patient. So if you look the same, you must be able to do the things you used to do. That was so not the case. All of my side effects were manageable. I slept when I needed to, and I also adopted the practice of meditation, which helped alleviate some of the anxiety I was experiencing. What support did you receive during your blood cancer experience, and was it helpful for you? Yes, um, I found a psychologist actually that was specialized in dealing with blood cancer patients. She was instrumental in supporting me emotionally during my treatment and once I completed treatment. With her, I could speak about my emotions, my fears, how best to talk to my children, how much to share and how to deal with feeling like I was a burden on my spouse. This was extremely helpful. I also had a childhood friend who was undergoing treatment for brain cancer at the same time I was going undergoing treatment. We compared family stories and some of our most private emotions as they pertain to our kids, our spouses, our siblings, and our parents. One of the most helpful supports I received was from the First Connection program with your organization. I was matched with a woman who had my exact cancer, had gone through treatment, who had children, and a similar professional career. This support was so instrumental in my overall well-being, especially helping me with my anxiety. She was familiar with this cancer journey. Even though our cancer is not curable, she demonstrated to me that following treatment, this cancer can remain dormant for many years, giving you the opportunity for a new normal life. It was powerful, it was a game changer for me. That program and speaking with her helped me with my anxiety and gave me newfound faith in my future living with a chronic cancer. How do you believe the cancer changed your life? This is another great question and you may be surprised with what I'm going to say. <laughs> cancer has made me more appreciative of my life and everyone that is part of it. 
I no longer take anything for granted and have realized and accepted that we are all on borrowed time. Cancer has made me reflect on what is truly important in my life, love, family, and the family we choose, our friends. Cancer has forced me to take a pause, to stop and to be in the moment because tomorrow is never promised. Cancer has caused me to feel grateful. It has been a gift in my life to see and experience life with a different lens. Before I was diagnosed, I seemed to be running, literally, in all sorts of directions. I would say I was existing and rolling with the punches, not really stopping to appreciate all that I had in my life. I feel that I'm in a better place now, both mentally and emotionally, even though cancer and I share this body. I doubt that I would be the person I am today, having not experienced this cancer journey and continue experiencing it. I have a sense of pride with all the speed bumps I encountered over the years. And although they were difficult, I got through them. What I know is that I value my life more than ever. That's how cancer has changed my life. What would you say to someone who has just been diagnosed with blood cancer? I would say receiving a diagnosis of a blood cancer is not a death sentence. Just hearing the word cancer is frightening. And that moment will remain with you for a very long time. I think I can say that hearing the words, you have cancer, is probably one of the worst fears that people have. Blood cancer research is ongoing and is making a difference. I've witnessed this in my nine-year cancer journey this far. You may not be able to control how this disease progresses, but the one thing you can control are your thoughts. You can choose to be angry and frustrated with the cards you've been dealt with, or you can choose to enjoy every day as it comes and appreciate all those around you and know that scientists and researchers are working hard in the background. It won't always be easy, an easy road. However, know that this organization has a lot to offer you on your blood cancer journey and that you are certainly not alone. Thank you so much again, Myra, for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thank you, Sonia. It's my pleasure. And uh, thank you to everybody at the Society for doing what you do. Thank you. If listeners have any questions about follicular lymphoma or need help navigating your experience, I encourage you to connect with a community services manager in your region. You can reach us by dialing toll-free 1-833-222-4884, or you can visit our website, lightcancers.ca, to connect with us. Until next time, stay well. Thank you for listening to the Blood Cancer Experience podcast series by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. You can find us wherever you access your favorite podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. If you have an idea for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with your comments or suggestions to canadainfo at lls.org. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada is dedicated to funding cutting-edge research and supporting people affected by blood cancers. To learn more and access resources including fact sheets, booklets, and webcasts, visit lls.canada.org.